Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, Lord, you see us, you know us, uh, God, and we cannot escape your presence. In your name I pray, amen. Well, thank you, worship team. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes. You know, I do have a microphone on. I was tempted. Turn the mic on a little earlier, start singing, see if I could get in with the worship team. I don't think that would have gone well. Well, good morning. Thank you guys for being here today. Uh, nice to see you. Um, I'm thrilled to be here. I, uh, I'm going to uh, spend a few minutes with you this morning. Uh, how did I get up here, you ask? Well, there was a silent auction, and the winner got to do <laughs> preaching on Sunday morning. I outbid everybody else, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, but I am going to be continuing uh, in the series we're doing on the John, 1 John, the book of 1 John. Uh, the book was written by the Apostle John, for those of you who don't know. Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, John was one of Jesus' apostles. He wrote that book. He also wrote three letters. Uh, this is one of those letters. Uh, it's amazing how powerful a line John draws in this book, uh, in this letter that he wrote, uh, between light and darkness, between good and evil, right? He really makes it very plain. He speaks plainly, and, and that's what I'm, I'm going to try to do today. But it's amazing how uh, compassionately and loving he does it too, right? It really, he mixes and blends those things absolutely amazing. I would urge everyone, I would urge everyone in here to read the book, uh, read First John as we're going through this series. I'm actually the fifth week. I'm the fifth week. I can't, I don't know, I can't remember off the top of my head how many weeks are left, but there's still some few weeks left. So please, please uh, do read the entire book. Read it each week, I would urge you. Uh, you can do that. It's not too long. Um, I'm going to cover the last two verses of chapter 2, so 228 through 310 in the first 10 of, ver of chapter 3, so 228 through 310. Uh, before we dive in, I want to pray again uh, as we spend these few minutes together. Dear God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, uh, who you are in my life, uh, Lord, who you are in the life of this church. And as we seek your face uh, here for a few minutes, I just pray that we uh, would come to know you better than when we walk out of these doors we would know you better than when we walked in. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Mark Ray. Uh, my father was the senior pastor here at Trinity for 35 years uh, before Pastor Kirk. I grew up in this church, uh, and quite literally, if you want to get kind of technical, I actually grew up right here, right here. So uh, when I grew up, the parsonage, which is now up there on the hill, sat right here, sat right here. That tree right there, the tree right there that literally those branches almost touched the window, I broke my arm falling out of that tree. 
Quite literally, I was in the tree. It came down. I put my arms out right in front of me, and one of them just, out my elbow went. I'll never forget that. That was not a fun day. But uh, I, I have spent, obviously, years and years here. Uh, and, and I promise when I, when I preach, I won't bring up the fact that my father was a pastor here every time. I promise I won't do that. But it is a little apropos to today. You see, the older I've gotten, the more I remind myself of my father, right? It's, it, it just happens. I don't know who else has had this experience, right? But I'm assuming I'm not the only one. Ladies, maybe you remind yourself of your mother, uh, the older you've gotten. Uh, I, can't, I can't be the only one, but it, mannerisms, expressions, jokes, right? I, I, do, I say the same jokes that my father did. How did this happen? Those progressive commercials don't become your parents. Good luck. My father used to bust out into song in his sermon. You know how he'd do that? Fairy tales can come true. It can happen to you if you're young at heart. Literally. He loved it. He loved that stuff. I slapped the back of my hand. You guys, you guys remember my dad used to do that? Go like that. Very serious. What, are you going to punch me, Dad? What is this? <sighs> As a man, the older you get, you just sort of see your father in a lot of those things you do. I don't have to try to do that, right? It just happens. And why does it happen? Well, he's my father. So not only do we share genetic code, right? He also raised me. I spent 18, 19, 20 years living in the same house as him. Right? Spent a lot of time listening to him, observing him. Furthermore, furthermore, so for, from my experience, right, my father was a pastor. So I've heard him preach hundreds, if not thousands of times, quite literally. I always love to tell people, nobody's heard my father preach more than me except my mother. Right? Quite literally. I've, I've, I've heard him preach countless times. Prayers at parties. Kirk, I'm sure this is your experience, right? When there's a pastor in the house and somebody needs to pray, guess who does it? Wakes, funerals, weddings. You get the point, right? I can't help but model him. It is unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Ironically, uh, this, is, this actually happened a few weeks ago. My son Evan, who's here today on his homecoming from college, uh, my son Evan said to my wife, I feel like I'm becoming dad. <laughs> there is no escaping it. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Uh, it's going to happen, though. What's the point? Well, let's read today's verses, and hopefully it'll make some sense, okay? So 1 John 2, 28. Uh, you guys, this is the Bible that's in the pew back in front of you. This is NIV. It's a wonderful Bible, wonderful translation. I read from the NLT. I hope that doesn't make me a bad person, okay? So, but that's who I'm going to go from the NLT. It's just, look, I'm not smart, so it's just a little easier for me to do this. Okay, so and now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ. So that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. See how much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, 
We are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what it will be like when Christ appears. We do not know, <clears throat> but we do know, excuse me, that we will be like him, for he will, we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away the sins for there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Okay. As I've spent time reading 1 John, and these verses specifically, it stands out how John is actively calling us into this life in Christ to live as a child of God. Salvation is complete when you accept Jesus into your heart. Okay? It's complete. Salvation is not a process. Sanctification is a process that we go through in this life of faith, okay? Salvation, you accept Christ into your life, it is done. Sanctification, right, is a process that we go through in this life. Sanctify, this is from uh, my good friend Pastor David who knows all this, this fun Greek and Hebrew stuff. Sanctify is a word that means set apart or separated, right? To be separated, to be set apart. And that's who we are. As believers, we're called to be separated, set apart from this world. We are in the world, okay? We are in the world, but we are not of it. To live free from sin and to know that that is not just a pipe dream. It's a reality that we can live without sin. We who have accepted him into our lives can in fact live without sin. As a matter of fact, in verse 9, John says, so they can't keep on sinning. Can't keep on sinning. Imagine what an encouragement we have in Christ in that. And as our series is titled, Beloved, right, that logo that they've got, that's a great graphic, right, the B, love, and then the D, be love. As our series is titled, we're to be love. And to be love requires some actions that John talks about in these verses. So I broke it down into three things I think he's calling us to do uh, in that set of verses in order to be love, right? Three things. Yeah, there's the, there's the logo. That's it. So number one, recognition of childhood. Number two, opposition to sin. And number three, repetition of righteousness. Recognition of childhood, opposition to sin, repetition of righteousness. Is it an alliteration? Is that when the three words rhyme together like that? I don't know. Is that it? I think. I'm trying to use fancy words today, okay? 
So let's start at the top. Okay, the first thing we need in this process of sanctification, recognition of childhood. Chapter 3, verse 1, John said, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. To be a child of God's means that we are part of God's family. A good, true family. Not everyone's had a great family experience. I understand that. Some people have had an amazing family experience. I understand that too. But the family of God is a beautiful, true family. Right? It, it, it really is. <clears throat> We're going to unpack this idea a bit, but that statement is, is unbelievable. That we are God's children. A child of God. Through Christ, we are accepted into the family of God. There are numerous places in the scripture, right, that speak plainly about this fact. So I'll play the lawyer for a minute. I'll give you some evidence. John 1, 10 through 13. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God they are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan but from a birth that comes from God Galatians 3 23 through 26 before the way of of faith in Christ was available to us we were placed under the guard by the law we were kept in protective custody so to speak until the way of faith was revealed let me put it another way the law was our guardian until Christ came it protected us until we could be made right with God through faith And now the way of faith has come. We no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Can't leave that out. Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. That is one of my favorite verses. Romans 8, 12 through 14. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are? That's it. Great work. It feels like we can agree that through faith in Christ, we can, in fact, become children of God. So what? What does that mean? Okay. Okay, preacher man. I'll buy. Now what? It means you're part of a family of God. And as part of his family, we, all of us, are family together. A family of believers. That's the church. We are called to love one another, to encourage each other, to lift one another up, to be love, to be his hands and feet in this world. You guys want to know who the hope of the world is, truly? You're looking at it. Look around. The church is the hope of the world. Us together with the spirit in us are the hope of this world. And that goes from top to bottom, right? Top to bottom. 
We are called to be salt, light, life to those around us. Furthermore, the privileges of membership, if you will, for all you Delta Sky mileage people, right? The privileges of membership and the family offer more than anything this world could ever give you, ever conjure, ever imagine. Joy, love, peace, those things come from being part of this family. Furthermore, you have a permanent, eternal home in heaven. You have a right to approach the throne of God in prayer. You, 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 you can approach God, the God of the universe. You can approach his throne. Can you imagine, Joe Gilmartin, if you were allowed to walk into Robert Kraft's office and give him a piece of your mind about the Patriots? Can you even imagine? And that's just some guy who owns a stupid football team. Right? Let's be honest. I love the Pats. Don't get me wrong. I would take them today against the Raiders, but that's neither here nor there. You have a right to approach his throne in prayer, seriously. And the God of the universe, who literally holds the stars in his hands, not only listens, okay, good, yeah, he actually thinks of you. Psalm 8, 3 through 4, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? I don't know if, if anybody's like into the whole star thing, but uh, right now, and it's been happening, I think for the last month or two, you go outside on a clear night, uh, and especially in the morning, I suppose, so if you're up early enough, um, you can see Venus in the eastern sky. I don't know if anybody's noticed that. It's gorgeous. It's, I mean, it's like five stars put into one. It's absolutely beautiful. And every time I look at the stars, I always think like, my gosh, how small insignificant I am, but that the guy who made those things cares for me. Not only that, he thinks of me. God thinks of you, not collectively, personally, personally thinks of you. My son Evan, sorry bud, I'm going back to you. He came home from college for homecoming this weekend. You too, Julia, we'll get there. Being the great dad I am, I decided, so my son didn't take his car to college, he left it here, uh, freshman year, he's in college in uh, Texas at Baylor University in Waco, I decide, uh, I'm going to put gas in his car. That's nice, right? I'm a gold star dad, I do the right stuff, I'll put gas in the kid's car, I mean, come on, he's broke, he's a college student. So I tell my wife this, I'm going to put gas in Evan's car so when he comes home he can drive around, it's going to be great. <laughs> he came home, he took a real early flight Thursday morning, he landed at like 11 o'clock in the morning, well there I was, 9 a.m. on Thursday morning, about to get in my car to drive to work, what do I forget? Oh my gosh, I didn't put gas in Evan's car. Back in the driveway, I come out of the driveway in his car, down to the gas station. I could barely do one thing right. Barely do I, that was one thought I had and I barely carried it out. God is way beyond remembering to fill our gas tank. 
Psalm 139, 17 through 18. <sighs> this one gets me, man. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. They outnumber the grains of sand. David doesn't say here it outnumbers a handful of sand. He doesn't say it outnumbers a bucket full of sand. He doesn't say it outnumbers the grains of sand on Singing Beach or Good Harbor or Nahant. He doesn't say it outnumbers the grains of sands in Florida. You know Florida has like 3,200 miles of beach? Something like that. It's like some crazy number. That's just Florida. Think about the grains of sand on this planet. Grains. Next time you're at the beach, scoop it up. Try to separate out one grain. He said, I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. All the grains of sand. This is what it means to be a child of God. These verses in 1 John call us to a recognition of childhood. To know who we are in Christ and the relationship that we can have with our Heavenly Father. But that recognition should not leave us standing still. In fact, it calls us into an opposition of sin. That's point two, opposition of sin. So let's go back to 1 John and look at the next point. 1 John 3, 4 through 6. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, <clears throat> for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there's no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. John celebrates the fact that through faith in Christ, we can be called children of God, but then he shows us what that childhood should look like. He says in verse 6 that anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. This is another unbelievable statement. As if thinking of yourself as a child of God wasn't unbelievable enough, he follows it up with this. When I come to faith in Christ and he... Christ, through his Holy Spirit, right, comes to live in me. Christ dwells in me. That spirit in me is now in direct opposition to sin. Again, there are places in the scriptures that point to this very fact. Okay, exhibit A, Galatians 5, 16 through 18. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are under no obligation to the law. Galatians 5.24, so farther down in Galatians. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. John 14, 26. 
But when the Father, and these are the words of Jesus, but when the Father sends the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, as my representative, that's Jesus' representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you, right? He will teach you everything and remind you of everything. Okay. These verses show us that when we become children of God, through faith in Jesus and his spirit dwells in us, we will be opposed to sin. Going back to 1 John, he, he really does. This is it. Like he makes it nice and plain, straightforward. 1 John 3 uh, verse 9, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. Okay. What is John not saying there? Those who have not been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. Is John saying that if you're born into God's family, you do not sin? No. I sin. I am a sinner. I have accepted Christ. His Holy Spirit dwells in me. Do I sin? Yes. I didn't make a list. We're not going to go over it, okay? but I am a sinner. Do I make a practice of sinning? No. No. Be careful, right? If you're new to the faith, maybe you're not even in the faith yet. Maybe you're trying to figure out if this is for real. But I can just tell you that if you come into this place, you start to think about Christ and you consider what it might mean to become a Christian, to accept Christ into your life, right? But then you see people have been going to church here for a while, and you're like, well, that guy sins. Yes, that's going to happen. Again, I sin. But it's about not making a practice of sinning. Okay, that, that's, that's an important distinction. The opposition to sin makes it possible for us to love. Loving one another isn't doing the things that I think are right or good or holy. Love's not whatever you or I want it to be. To love is to walk in the light of his truth through the power of the Spirit. Okay, so what does that look like? Go back to Galatians 5, 19 through 26. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Ready? Ready? Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That covers a lot, baby. Woo. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. That opposition to sin happens in our lives as a result of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Here's the good news, because you just hear that, and you're like, man, sounds like a lot. It is. But I've got some good news for you. You can't just keep trying. It's not about trying to not sin. It's not about just try harder. It's on you. Just try. For if you could listen to this, by sheer will eradicate sin in your own life, 
Who needs Christ? Who needs atonement? Who needs a Savior? For as Christ bore the burden of our sin and was a spotless lamb, he was without sin and without fault. Isaiah 53, 4-6. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, all of us. When we let the Spirit take more and more of our lives, we can't sin. It's not through willpower. It's Him. It's not me. I, Mark Ray, stand before you incapable of anything good without Christ. Nothing. I'm incapable of goodness even when I try to do it. Kirk talked a few months ago about, uh, you know, this is like movement sort of, I don't know if movement's the right word, these podcasters, these guys, uh, they talk, it's about willpower, right? It's like Joe Rogan and David Goggins, uh, right? It's all about like, just, you know, like work out, do the stuff, do the stuff, you can do it, you can do it. This guy, David Goggins, is like a uh, former Marine, uh, and he lost a bunch of weight, and he's, and he's got like, he's like super healthy dude, uh, and he's all about like, it's on you, stop being a baby. Anytime, so, you know, do the ice plunge, do the sauna, do the, right, like all this stuff. It's good, like get in shape, don't get me wrong, uh, all that stuff's good, but there's no salvation through that, right? Like, do David Goggins, he, he, his social media channels, people leave him like hateful comments or like give him negative comments on his thing. You ready for this? He reads through those, he records them, and then he plays that back to himself while he's running. That is not going to get you anywhere, right? But it's not through willpower. You see, again, I, you have to know that the good in me is not there. I don't have it. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> okay? But, praise God, he has come to set me free from myself. He sets me free from myself. And when I let him do that, I live in opposition to sin. Okay. Again, John doesn't leave us there, though. The final point is the repetition of righteousness, recognition of your childhood, opposition to sin, repetition of righteousness. The recognition of the love we have received from our Lord puts us in direct opposition to sin. Now, we must practice the repetition of righteousness. We must continually seek him to know him better every day, every week, every month, every year. Know him more, more of him, less of me. We could never fully comprehend it, but the farther we walk in this life of faith, the sweeter life becomes. The more we seek his face, the more we see his grace. Right? You have to keep 
moving. Christianity, it is an active life. It is an active life. I am farther from where I started. Sometimes I feel I'm still farther from the finish even though, right? But keep moving in this life. So 1 John, a repetition of righteousness. 1 John 3, 7 through 10. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they're righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning, because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning, because they're children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. If you take nothing else with you from what I preach today, take the gospel. Take the gospel. You are a sinner, but God sent his son to save you, and it is by faith in him and him alone that you can have life to the fullest for all eternity. Christ will justify you in front of the Father. You will stand justified in front of the Father. And it's not because of that Christ, you know, I don't want to, it's not because of just like Christ felt bad for you, right? He came to die for you, and so there's now there's nothing the Father can do but allow you into his presence. The penalty is paid. But, if you can take two things, take the gospel and the charge to love one another. Love one another. To live in a repetition of righteousness as you love one another with the love that he has filled you with. Okay? So, well, what does that look like? So, let's, we'll get practical here at the end. John 15, 12 through 13. So this is not first John. This is actually the, the gospel of John. And these are the words of Jesus. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. <laughs> so funny. So when I was young, right, and I read these verses, I used to think that this meant that I was supposed to die for my friends. Quite literally. That seemed kind of extreme, especially to like a 13-year-old. I was like, man, I don't know about this stuff. I've got to die? Well, that's not necessarily what it means. Ironically, it's asking for something more. Each day, putting myself aside and choosing others. Like we talked about previously, it's not by willpower or trying harder. It's by knowing Christ more and more, letting his spirit be the guiding light in my life, not me. For those of you who know who, who C.S. Lewis is, right? he's a very accomplished Christian writer. Uh, he passed away back, he actually died, I didn't realize this until recently, he died the same day as JFK. Same day as JFK, but uh, he's an amazing writer, tons of books, right? He loves to say there's two types of people in the world. One type who says to God, thy will be done. And one type who says to God, my will be done. Okay, the idea is to let God's will be done, to let him take that control of my life.
And again, as I do that, these things come through that. When we do, we won't be able to help ourselves but to love each other. It's just going to come out of you. It's just going to happen. You're just going to love each other. Seek him daily. Okay? Here's some practical stuff. Read the word. Read your Bible. Do it. Doesn't matter how you do it or when you do it. Just do it. Okay? Read this Bible. Read that Bible. Read your Bible. Use your phone. Use your iPad. Listen to it on tapes or CDs or I don't even, whatever they have left. They probably put the Bible on vinyl at this point. Right? Whatever it takes. Read the word. Everybody's always like, I want to like hear from God. Yeah, okay. He's talking to you, right? Lots of it. Lots of talking to you. Read the word. Read the word. Seek his will in prayer. Imagine. He's always standing there next to you. Good. What do you want to say? What do you, what's the question? You talk to me. I'll talk to you. Okay? You got to do that stuff. It's not just going to happen, right? Like, seek him. Gather together with fellow believers. Gather together with fellow believers. Come to church on Sunday morning. Okay? Come to church on Sunday morning. I know life happens. Don't get me wrong. I know it does. But be with other believers. Go to Fiesta night. How's that plug? Go to women's brunch. Why do the women always get the good food? They really do. It's brunch. Oh my gosh, who doesn't love brunch? Cantaloupe. Who doesn't love cantaloupe? Right? Get together with fellow believers. Give of your time. Give of your money. Give of your talents. Live life with open hands. Like my father always said to go back to him, you can't outgive God. I am standing here as a testimony. I can testify to the fact you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. And he can give you way better stuff than you can give him. Way better stuff than you can give him. Do things which fly in the face of everything the world values. And you will find power through the Spirit to do that. You guys watch Seinfeld, right? When Costanza did his thing, he's like, I'm just going to do the opposite of what, my, what I think I should do. And his day goes like swimmingly. George walks up to that girl at the coffee shop. My name's George Costanza. I'm unemployed and broke. Do you want to go out with me? Sure. That's, that's kind of it. Like I tell people, like, how do you know when God's like speaking to you? I say, you know, it sounds a lot like my own voice. It's just the opposite of what I would do. That's generally speaking a pretty good sign. <laughs> and here's the kicker, right? Here it is. As you do these things, you won't just be able. You won't just be able. It'll actually be joyous. It'll be amazing. You will find true joy. You will find peace. Man, imagine if you could just hand out peace in this world, huh? Recognition that you are a child of the living God. 
opposition to sin in your life by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and repetition of righteousness as you come to know him better and better. Thank you guys for letting me share this morning. Dear God, we just, um, we thank you for being our father. We thank you for this family of believers. I thank you for each and every person in here, wherever they're at, uh, Lord God, that they would come to know you more, that they would hand their life, uh, their lives <clears throat> over to you, uh, God, and that we would seek you in all these things, Lord Jesus more and more of you and less and less of us, Lord God, that we would be your hands and feet in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.